Welcome to Catholic Family Stories. We are so glad you could join us. My name is Joseph, and I am here along with the love of my life, Maureen. Hello, Maureen here. Early in our marriage, we visited the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe as our first stop during a business trip for my husband, Joseph. There, we prayed by the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There are many wonderful aspects to the miraculous nature of the image. For instance, her eyes have the optical characteristics of a living eye and contain a reflection of those that first witnessed the miracle. Truly, it is amazing that the image has survived so long without deterioration. In 1921, an anarchist attempted to blow it up with 12 sticks of dynamite. The marble altar and floor were obliterated, even bending a nearby metal crucifix. But the image and the glass frame that held it remained unharmed. On another, not so glorious outing, I brought a few of my children to the Chicago Art Institute. We admired a particular painting in the medieval section. My children easily pointed out the many Christian symbols and even commented on some of the theological meanings portrayed in the scene. A few minutes later, a professor from a local university arrived with his art history class to review the same painting. My daughters could hardly hold back their giggles as the professor and students analyzed and commented on the painting while completely missing even the most obvious relationships and meanings, which were the very things that made it so beautiful. Sadly, when one student commented on something as simple as the halos, the professor scoffed that people of that time thought that the heads of some notable people actually glowed like early versions of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We truly miss the reality of creation when the biases of power and ignorance reduce the life around us to the mere arrangements of chemicals, particularly when intended to strip away the meaning and presence God wishes to communicate to us. Fortunately, God surrounds us with truth and beauty even in the midst of conflict and mayhem. Can you see beyond the politics today to recognize God's everlasting might? Do you recognize the Lord truly himself alive in the sacraments, giving you eternal nourishment? Have you yet begun to fathom the significance of Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, the Immaculate Conception, having remained unstained as part of the Creator's plan for you? Luke chapter 11 verses 27 through 28 states, A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast that you sucked. But he, Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
Not only in his response does Jesus affirm the blessed nature of his mother as deriving from her grace to receive God's eternal word and remain sinless, but also gives us an additional beatitude that we too are blessed if we receive him with Mary and become sinless with her as well. St. Maximilian Kolbe once said, Christ humbled himself to come to us through Mary. We too must lose our pride and come to Christ through her as well. When we approach the Mother of God, gifted us at the cross, we find that Mary's heart is the Father's very contemplation of creation in response to Christ's love for the Father. It is the castle of the Spirit, the inextinguishable font of Christ, the eternal Word. Her heart is living gospel, chalice of grace, and door of the Trinity. Take a moment to pause today, maybe in your prayer time, to gaze into the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is the point at which the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and creation meet, from where heaven's graces flow. Then recognize God's loving presence everywhere, ready to pounce upon you from all directions. <laughs> there is an ambush of love and mercy waiting for you. He's there, giggling in his creation, dancing and forming you in your relationships, challenging you in your work. His providence constantly saturates your environment and even now cautiously holds you, being careful not to frighten you as he carries you to glory. We pray this next story inspires you and your family to recognize the truth despite these modern times and approach our Blessed Mother in order to radically hear the Word of God and keep it. For your contemplation, our family humbly presents The Masterpiece and the Throne. Good afternoon, sir. The museum will be closing early today due to uh, safety precautions. The aged curator's weak encouragement did not seem to move the patron whose eyes remained transfixed upon the large oil painting that blanketed the wall before them. Sir, I must insist. It is beauty and grace, is it not? Replied the young man in a voice that signaled a deep peace as well as a lack of concern for the curator's request. Yes, sir, but you see, the museum is closing. Faint sounds of an outdoor crowd echoed like spilled beads in a far chamber. Yes, thank you. The young man inhaled deeply and slowly exhaled, as if either composed in prayer or simply in love. The curator forced back his impatience with a wince, deciding upon a more polite tactic. 
one that resonated with his curiosity. Forgive me, my name is John. Nice to meet you, John. You can call me Gabe. The student smiled and extended his hand without removing his gaze from the painting. I, I see you here many times. You admire this portrait very much. I understand your reluctance, but for your safety, Gabe. There was silence. It was the curator now that delayed their departure with a question. Why do they want it, sir? I think that perhaps it is only you who truly knows. Even more than they, someone who loves this painting just as much as the mob who wants to destroy it and this museum. The young man motioned the curator to come stand beside him. Come and see. The curator stepped forward. So tell me, are you baptized? The young man inquired, finally shifting his gaze to the elder man. Yes, of course, when I was a child. But is that a prerequisite to admiring art? Good, then you'll be able to see. And yes, it actually is. The student's voice trailed off indistinctly as the curator's body briefly shuddered and the glow of colors reflected off the portrait. The old man felt years of fear and bewilderment shed like the coat of an old seed finely planted in good soil and watered. Look there. Gabe waved his right hand in a gentle back and forth movement. It is a masterpiece. Just look. What do you see? I see a painting of a beautiful woman with a child. Look deeper. Well, the brush strokes. Look into them. What do you see? Interrupted the young man. Well, they are, well, oddly familiar. The curator surprised himself with this observation. Where have you seen them before? The curator squinted and opened his eyes in astonishment. Goodness, I see what you mean. Where have I? The curator's voice softened as a deluge of memories as real as they were when they first occurred washed upon his thoughts in a startling self-discovery. Hints of the mysterious familiarity presented itself everywhere. It had saturated his childhood to the very present so recognizable as if it were a very condition of being and yet was continually blocked by his own unconscious defenses when he attempted to name it. I, I... Gabe offered his own thoughts, attempting to explain his new friend's experience. Glimpses of beauty. The fugitive friends that momentarily companions are unsettled pining. Like water, our thoughts continually slip through beauty's fingers. A simple second, a timid glance to reignite our yearning. We are touched, but are never held. Creation is a tease, all glorious because it is in accord with the Creator's command, but indifferent because we are not so. When has beauty ever noticed us? Until now. John heard the lady in the painting. Come. The brief pause nearly erupted into tears. The curator gasped. Interiorly, he felt as if he hung at the edge of an unfathomable precipice. Was it the end of his life 
or the beginning? Would he fall to his death at the revelation he knew he must pursue, or somehow soar with wings he never knew he possessed? There was no retreat now. He was too old not to jump from the nest. He had suddenly outgrown it. Without shifting his gaze from the magnificent loveliness that stood before him, he pleaded with his companion, evidently more seasoned than himself. Please help. I know, I know, but to admit it, it would mean to break some sort of a delusion, a sinister fortress I built inside myself all my life. Please. Look even deeper, closer. You recognize the strokes. Start simple. Gabe's voice seemed to calm the curator. John's wrinkled eyes traced the brush strokes masterfully applied to the canvas before him. There were fine strokes within the strokes. His gaze followed the lines and curves that seemed to make the colors alive and the artistry as real as creation itself. The closer he looked, the sharper his vision became, and the more alive the portrait became. Yes, yes, I've seen this one in flowers. Once when I actually spent time to admire this and study a single petal. Wait, I've seen this one at the edge of a clover leaf one summer. Oh, I had forgotten so much of my childhood. I could still feel the warm summer sun caressing my face with glory while the occasional hum of a honeybee busy across the sweet-scented field. The honeybees. The curator broke into another overflow of discovery. He stared more intently into the masterpiece, attracted to something of further recognition. There, my goodness, it, it is. It is. It is the tiny lines that strike the blade of a grass, the very truth of it. And there, the landscape of white and purple wildfires, wavering together the dance of a late spring breeze. Smiling, John relived the same breeze as it rushed upon him like a great playful cat. He pointed at the painting again. There, the very jewel-like crown, birth in the splash of a raindrop into a pool, the iridescence of a fish scale, the intricate arm of a snowflake, the varying degrees of color in thousands upon thousands of grains of sand, the musical snort of a hundred different beasts, the sparkle and arc of a meteor's trail as it burns and inspires wishes. Here, look, the faint softness of a butterfly that once fluttered past my face in a mysterious soft embrace. The man paused, choked with emotion. The sweet cry of my children, the moment they took their first breath, and the curve of my wife's lips when she welcomed them with her kiss and took them to her breast. The myriad of rays showering from the sun, streaming through the clouds and bathing you in light, white brightness itself. They are real, Gabe added, lost in an ecstasy of his own. Glory be, exclaimed the curator. What does it mean? Look 
the woman. Color regained in the curator's cheeks, while the gait of his breathing seemed to align to another breath, both wise and young. She says so much. Her smile is gentle and sorrowed. Peaceful and something more than even my own intellect can understand. But my soul, my soul can. She reaches to me. What do you see? It's, it's, oh dear, I see what you mean. It's not her. It's, it's the strokes. It's the paint, the colors. The man began sobbing. I can see. I can see the artist who painted this. It's so evident. How could I not have seen him before? He's here. I, I can see him. I can see him given flesh in the veil of her beauty. Who is he? Yes, it is Christ. He is there beyond the flower. The inspiration of the sun, the mystery of the clover, emanating through the woman. He's... Yes, the young man smiled. He's alive, living here in this tabernacle. The woman, she is alive too. Yes, and still, there is more. More? More? Oh, sir, I don't think I can handle much more. Yet, I cannot not. It is the mark of authority. What is spoken by him is created and living and real and everlasting in accord to his word. The curator gazed once again upon the icon before him. The cool of a dove seemed to kiss his soul, and he sensed perfection. It moved like a silent bomb across his heart. At first, even the minutest of his sins, most long forgotten and embedded in habit, were exposed and mourned for. Embarrassed, sad, Oh, the waste, he murmured. Then this blaze of a love previously evaded, budged and obliterated away his buried hatreds, prejudices, scrupulous etiquettes, and man-made follies. The pierce of the kiss burnt and healed at the same time. A short laugh followed as he recalled the past inclination towards scientism that seemed really ridiculous now as he experienced its complete ineptitude at understanding truth. He willingly dismissed storehouses of his life's learning that did not inform faith. They were cheap and not of any use. For the first time in his life, he felt the rubbish that cluttered his soul had been cleared away. Look deeper, what do you see? The young man's voice shimmered in the air like an angel's call. It's purity, purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Yes, the woman. She is immaculate. John smiled in ecstasy and replied, She takes me now by her hand to be made so as well, to see the Father. Gabe paused as peace itself fluttered about the room and soaked the chamber in a great satisfaction of completeness. Gabe finally spoke. And to be wed to his word, we shall luminesce in glory now, finally held, finally Wisdom itself has led my will to her heart, and set it ablaze to outshine the stars. How is it we are favored in all the universe? The curator continued, no longer knowing where he stood. Dear sir, I see the angels. I see the crown. She has taken me into her embrace as well through Christ's authorship. I am united to his sacrifice through her sorrow. I too am assumed now into heaven and mirror his glory. Perfect joy ignited their bodies with an everlasting radiance. They became that which was the deepest yearning of both their flesh and soul. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Gabe and John's whispers evaporated with gentle majesty. The museum hall was empty. The evening had come, and the morning star arose in the sky unnoticed. Mobs of protesters crying to destroy the painting of the Mother of God finally broke through the main level windows. Shattered glass dripped with the madness of man as the crowd rushed through the museum corridors, knocking down anything that appeared to be of importance, echoing of a past establishment. The designs of men are destroyed by the actions of other men, but that created of God's word will serve God's purposes. The rioters found the masterpiece and hurled obscenities at it. They declared they were a free people and had no need of heaven. Intoxicated with the enslavement of hatred, they wildly demolished all they could see. Beastly voices and raging screams swore defiance to lady and child in the painting. The chanting rose in a unified crescendo One man tore at the woman's face, leaving what seemed to be streams of tears showering from her right eye. Even now she poured down waters of grace in her sorrow. The painting wept. The rioters mocked the miracle and attempted to set the portrait on fire. Her eyes remained mournful for them as she held up the child in her arms as an offering to heal their hate. Some began to weep along with her, and the grace of repentance swept upon these like a mighty wind. The hearts of the mother and child glowed visible and brighter than combusting magnesium. 
perfect flames reached out and encompassed those that had chosen the Lordship and love of the resurrected Christ as it shone from the bleeding heart of the Trinity. The Spirit of God encircled them in the great gust, brilliant in creation's red flames, and escorted them through the heart of the woman to find themselves at the foot of the crucifixion. Those rebellious and oblivious to the power of mercy exploded in a great rage of shouts and raised fists. A single thought consumed their rabid thoughts in heightened hatred. Destroy, destroy, bow to me. The destruction continued through the night and into the next day. These remaining rioters chanted and praised unison. To the throne, to the throne. The throne sat enshrined in the high chamber of the courthouse, adjacent to the museum. In ancient days, new rulers were anointed while seated at it. In modern times, new rulers were inaugurated upon it. Today, the throne glimmered in the marble courtroom and called all would-be kings to it. Glass windows shattered, fires raged, Rioters harassed and beat unfortunate innocents caught in the streets in storefronts unaware. To the throne! To the throne! City police were ordered to stand down by conniving city leaders encouraging the mob to reopen the throne room. Opportunistic politicians, rioters, and revolutionaries rushed to the courthouse to stake their claim in the new governing order. The mayhem broke into the high chamber where the chair of gold stood resplendent in magnificence, sunlight bursting and splitting into thousands of light beams reflected off the fine gold and jeweled artistry of the chair frame. Astounded, the mob hesitated. Bright, multicolored glory splashed upon their gaping faces. Each person present saw a twin of themselves seated at the throne. The vision seized their hearts, exploding the ambitious into a new level of frenzy. The throne's temptation overpowered all who were present. Then suddenly, the splendor turned dull, and the dullness became an infection in their minds, souring the remaining bit of intellect, corrupting any ability to recognize beauty or humanity. They became animals. Like a new Babel, their cries and shouts transformed to grunts and wails, moans and hisses. Horns and tusks turned upon each other in bloody combat to determine dominance. A hyena jumped into the chair and laughed in its own hyena language. <laughs> you made me your ruler! Bow! <laughs> As he rose from the chair with finger pointed, a well-known movie celebrity turned lizard slipped behind him as if it were a child's game of musical chairs and occupied the seat. She bit the hyena in the backside and then announced in lizard tongue, I attract the world's eyes and speak for those seeking justice. Worship me as you always have. 
The room was momentarily hushed until an ornery cheetah angrily belted out a loud roar, causing the lizard to jump from the throne in surprise. The cheetah leaped to the seat and announced in its best cheetah voice, This chair is my right, as I have earned it through my effectiveness as a community organizer. The cheetah grinned and dug its claws deep into the seat cushion. An ape picked up a gun that had been laying in the courtroom floor and fired it. A wild rhino laughed, crazed, and stormed the throne. An ostrich and a donkey seized the moment and fought for the chair, but they were bit by a slender asp who had slithered upon the seat and coiled unseen about the throne's seat back. Come, come, this is the chair that I alone stole from the cathedral long ago. It is mine, and I give it to you. A mild comfort to rest your body and be like gods. Come, sit, and I will whisper you the secrets of rulers. The brawling pandemonium continued throughout the afternoon as each creature fought their way and sat upon the gilded seat of judgment for themselves, welcomed by the black snake's smile. A great bear lumbered forward, knocking down any standing in his way with his mighty arms and razor claws. The ass's forked tongue tickled the victor's ear while it coiled about the new ruler's head like a reptilian crown. Here is the secret, O oh great one. It is just a small, measured dose of medicine to sustain your power. The snake quickly struck the neck of its victim. With this bite, you will be allowed to remain on this chair for as long as you do my bidding. In moments, the bear collapsed to the floor cold. New rulers rushed to the throne, rejoicing at the death of their predecessor. Each were allowed by the snake to momentarily taste the ruling power, so long as their decrees satisfied the asp, which was coincidentally about the same time it took for the venom to have its fatal effect. The new governing order was defined and redefined, authority was established, the asp maintained its rule. The din of monstrous calls and outbursts finally ceased in a large crescendo at the three o'clock hour. A terrible tremor shook the land, as if creation itself groaned in a final pain of labor. The sky went dark, and all was silent but for drizzling rain and a crash of thunder. Lightning lit up the sky. For that instant, the dome of the cathedral had come to life, and a young eagle glancing out the window thought he saw a hill in the distance with a man sitting upright, nailed to a wooden cross, 
like in a dream, he recognized the woman, a shadowy memory from a museum portrait, weeping at the foot of the cross, along with an elderly man, a student, and others he felt were once friends. The creature broke the silence and called in plain Axipitridae. Trying to sit in the wrong chair! The courtroom burst into laughter. However, the young eagle's mind pondered the scene he saw. As he mused, his hawkish savagery relinquished. His pin feathers reverted to skin. His wings melted away into arms. He regained his human form and reached out instinctively to the lady in his memory, like a lost child to their mother. Please, oh please, take me to him. Suddenly the room filled with Easter light. The lady held his hand in hers. She smiled at him in gentle loveliness. Come. Beautiful sweetness, the very spirit of God rushed through his spirit and it dwelled alive within him, the breath of creation. Heaving a sigh of everlasting gladness, he glanced downward upon the woman's feet. The asp lay dead, its head crushed under the weight of she who held her child. He who was newly born, recently deceased, and freshly risen for and through which the world and paradise was created. You have just listened to The Masterpiece and the Throne by Joseph Scordato, and we happily announce that the mercy of Christ reigns forever. For our meditation today, we would like to invite our podcast family, yes, you, to consecrate yourself and your family to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, according to the Marian Consecration Prayer of St. Maximilian Kolbe. Please pray along with us and renew your consecration as often as you can. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Refuge of Sinners and our Most Loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have wholly to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, 
use all that I am and have without reserve, wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush the serpent's head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. Amen. From our family to yours, we wish you peace and goodness.